continue to talk about experiencing God, and my subject matter tonight is everlasting life. John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So here we can see Jesus' mission statement that he has come that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. The word life here is one of four Greek words in the New Testament translated life. It's the word zoe. And sometimes when we hear the word zoe, we think of a young girl whose name is zoe. But in the Greek language, this is what zoe means. It is translated in the English language, eternal life and everlasting life. It is life in its absolute sense. It is the God kind of life. But there's other words that are translated life in the New Testament, and I want to give you those also. But eternal life or everlasting life is Zoe. It's what Jesus came that we may have is everlasting life, eternal life. So everyone is destined to live eternally, some eternal damnation and some everlasting life. Thank God, because of the work of Christ, every man can have the gift of everlasting life and can live in the presence of the Lord and make heaven their home forever and ever and ever eternity without end. Uh, that is why it is so important that we look up and see that the harvest is white because there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And these things are real. And this is why Jesus came. This is why he gave his life for us is because there is a day of accounting. There is a judgment and there is, therefore, a sentencing that we will all experience. Thank God because of the blood of Christ and because of our faith in the blood of Christ, we have been justified with God. It's not because of our good works, it's not our morality, it's not our ethics, it's not because somehow in the scales of justice our good outweighed our bad, it's because of Jesus Christ and because of what he did in his atoning work upon the cross. The thief, on the other hand, his agenda and his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy, and because he has already been judged and judgment has already been passed upon the devil and upon the fallen angels, that followed him in rebelling against God in heaven, they have already been judged. And so they, that judgment cannot be reversed. Their sentencing cannot be reversed. And so their goal is to deceive and to lie, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and to uh, blind and to keep the blinders on people as long as they can because they do not want the glorious light of the gospel to shine through to them. The enemy is very good right now at trying to get the church to be silent, but the church is not to be silent. The church is the army of the Lord, is the body of Christ. It is the bride of Christ. I don't know in any of those analogies where silence is acceptable. I've never been to a wedding where a bride was silent. I've never been in a rank of officers where the officers were silent. I've never been around a body where a body was inactive. All of those are proactive. All of those speak of redemptive relationships. And therefore, the body of Christ cannot, cannot afford to allow the enemy to silence our witness because Jesus' mission is what we're about. It's a commission that we're partnering with him in. So here are the other words 
that are translated life in the New Testament. We have the word suke, it's P-S-U-C-H-E, and it describes the soul, the individual life, a living being. And uh, and then there's bios, bios, B-I-O-S, the Greek word, and it is the duration of life, it's the manner of life, it's our moral conduct, and uh, it even has to do with one's livelihood. What do you do for a living? You're talking about your bio. What do you do for a living? That'd be like your biography. Who are you? What do you do? What drives your engine? What drives your motor? And so that's a part of the word life that's translated in the New Testament. And then there is this last word, anastrophe, anastrophe, which is our behavior. You know, why is it you behave the way that you behave? And much of that is shaped and formed by environment someone's environment that they grew up in and why they they behave the way that they behave. And that's why we're called to bring our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It doesn't mean that they'll always behave in the way in which they were brought up. Everyone has their own will. But when we talk about anastrophe, we talk about behavior. When we talk about suke, we talk about the soul of an individual, their emotions. When we talk about the bios of someone, we talk about their duration, the longevity of their life, or their moral conduct, or their livelihood. But our subject matter tonight is Zoe, Zoe, the God kind of life. Now, I want to give you two examples in Scripture tonight. Uh, the first is found in the book of Acts, the book of Acts, if you would, chapter 10. And it's the account of Peter, who is a Jew, going to Cornelius, who is a Greek, and in this account, we learn something about the life of Cornelius. We're going to learn a little bit about his suke, his bios, and his anastrophe before he encounters Zoe. And I'm going to tie this in uh, to a story that I want to tell, then I'm going to read this text. Uh, this is something that I know of personally. There was a man uh, in Garden City, Kansas, where Shar and I were prior to coming here over 20 years ago. And he was a moral man, an ethical man. He was an outstanding citizen. He was a good husband. He was a good father. He was a contributor in, uh, in our community. He was a churchgoer. He was a man that uh, brought his family to church. And everyone, because of all of the outward things that he did, all of the expressions of life that he had, everyone thought that this man was a Christian, was born again. And we had extended meetings uh, at the church and special guests in over a period of a week. And one of them was an evangelist. And upon his invitation and his appeal to the congregation that was present that night to come to Christ, this man walked the aisle and accepted Christ. I sat there with my mouth on the floor. From all outward appearances, everything that he did, his morality, his ethics, his giving, he was a good husband. The testimony of his children afterwards, because I talked to them, is I've never heard my dad say a foul word. I've never seen him and my mom get in a fight. He was involved in our community. He was a giver. He was well-respected, but he was not born again. So he had life, he had expressions of life, but he didn't have everlasting or eternal life. And that night he was convinced and convicted of his sin. 
His testimony is this, that he grew up, his grandmother was a holiness Pentecostal woman. And she taught him morals and ethics, but she never taught him spiritual faith, never taught him faith in Christ. Because to some particular portions of the body of Christ, it's morals and ethics that are going to get you favor with God. And they leave out the most important aspect of why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come because of to create a new set of morals and ethics. He came that we may have life. Something was missing within the framework of our life. We had a livelihood. We had a soul. We had emotions. I mean, we had relationships. We had all of those things already. But one thing we didn't have because of sin, we did not have everlasting or eternal life. We were all separated from God because of sin. This man sat there in that in that service and realized that he needed Christ and he came forward and accepted the Lord. Was there a notable difference? I'll talk about that here in a minute. I'm going to say, and I think you know the answer, is yes. So let's go to Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour, so it's three o'clock in the afternoon of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he had observed him, he was afraid and he said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. And so when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa from all appearances. If you just read the first several verses and someone is to ask you, do you believe this man knows Christ? How many of you, without knowing the rest of the story, would say, yeah, this seems like an upright man, a godly man, a God-fearing man, a praying man. Surely he knows God. Surely he has experienced God. Surely he has a relationship with God. But he didn't. He didn't. All of the things he was doing is because he was taught to do them. But he still missed the most important aspect of life, and that is not leaving this earth without having eternal or everlasting life. We'll just carry on, and uh, let's go to verse 24. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. And had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius began to gather some people. Upon sending some servants and a soldier to go get Peter. And to bring him to his house. And we're going to skip down to verse 30 now. So Cornelius said four days ago I was fasting until this hour. This man is amazing isn't he? He fasts. He prays. He gives. He gave. And. And it wasn't as if God was unaware of his activity. Uh, God sent an angel uh, to this man to personally 
give him instruction to go get Peter. And the reason that Peter had to come was because Peter was the vessel that God was going to use to share the gospel with Cornelius. He said the reason the angel, the reason the angel said to Cornelius to go get Peter is he said, he's going to tell you what to do. He is going to give you instructions. He is going to, you know, bring something to you that you're missing right now. And I find that to be, you know, so encouraging that God is bringing people together for a purpose so that they can know the true and the living God and have everlasting life. So he said, I was fasting and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms or your giving are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. He will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things God commanded you, to hear all the things commanded you by God. And verse 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Before Peter could come, we have to understand that God had to do a work in Peter because Peter, being a Jew, was not going to interact or interface with those that were non-Jewish. He was not going to go and uh, have a relationship or have a conversation with this man. But God convinced him otherwise uh, to go, and so he went. And while he goes, he hears this man's Cornelius' testimony And he's like, you know, hey, I'm beginning to understand that in God, with God, there's no partiality. I mean, Peter is growing and learning and and beginning to understand it's not just Jesus and the Jews. It's Jesus and the world that God so loves so much. And so he he uh, he he begins to share the gospel and in sharing the gospel. Boy, I'll tell you, there is. A, a move of the Holy Spirit. In verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How do we know that? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Chapter 11. And we're going to read down from verses 1 through 4. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up from up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. And Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, and then he gave the testimony about how God instructed him to go and not to be fearful and not to be apprehensive and and to go with the men that he was going, that uh, Cornelius sent. And so, so Peter was obedient to what God had told him to do. It didn't make sense to Peter. 
It was outside of his comfort zone. It was it was away from what he would ordinarily do. It was, it was a people group that he would not interact or fellowship with. And if God did that to Peter, I want you to know that God will do that to you. Sometimes we think God's just going to send us somewhere where we're comfortable, where it's where it's easy. No, God is in the business of helping us to grow and learn and to trust in him. And even if it's outside of what's ordinarily, you know, the people that we run with or the way that we would interface with people, God loves people. So Peter was that chosen vessel to go to Cornelius. And here's here's my question, because everyone in here, you have received the gift of eternal life if you've received Jesus Christ. So who is Jesus Christ sending you to so that they can know the gift of eternal life also? Who is Jesus leading you to? Since he is the one that is the the giver of eternal life, who is he leading you to so that they can know about the gift of eternal life? He's leading you to someone, whether that's planting a seed or watering a seed, but he's leading you to someone. He's never not leading us in that direction. But we have to work through some of the prejudice that we have and some of the preconceived ideas and some of the, the ways that we think in order for him to send us. I mean, Peter disputed with the Lord. Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. I've never gone around unclean people. I mean, he, he viewed everyone who was not Jew as an untouchable, as unclean, as someone that he would never socialize with. And God said, don't you ever. Now listen how stern the Lord was. He, he wasn't patty caking with Peter. He said, don't you ever say what I have cleansed. Don't ever say it's unclean. Because they have a right to eternal and an everlasting life just like everybody else. They have the other parts of life figured out. They have the bios part of life. They have a biography. They have anastrophe. They have conduct and behavior. Are you with me? They have a suke. They have a soul. They understand all those aspects of life. But they don't have everlasting life. They don't know about the gift of everlasting life. They think all that life is is your livelihood. They think all that life is is your emotions and your soul and your feelings and your intellect. They think all that that life is is your conduct and your behavior, and that's the quality of your life. And Jesus said, no, I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. There's a part of life that is missing in most people, even moral, ethic, good, God-fearing, praying, giving people. If they don't know Jesus, they don't have everlasting life. I talked to a, a police officer not in our communities, from another community, been serving for 20 years. He's contemplating going to church. He didn't know I was a pastor at the time. So we're conversing. This is yesterday. God is always leading you to someone. If you'll pray... God will set up those conversations. This is what he said to me. I know a lot of people that go to church two days a week where he serves as an officer. And I arrest them the other five days of the week. 
He said, I don't know that I need to go to church to be a moral or a good or an upstanding citizen or a good father or good. And I said, you're absolutely right. But you'll never make heaven without Christ. And Christ and his church are one. So you have a decision to make. He looked at me and he said, I'm thinking about going. He said, oh, by the way, what do you do? I said, well, my wife and I, we pastor church. (laughs) Yeah. Whether he comes here or doesn't come here, that's up to the Lord's leading. There are some people were called to invite the church, you know, because they're like inquisitive. What's that about? I'm interested. Well, just come and see. Just come and sit by me. I'll take you to me. And there's others that, you know, were there. And then, you know, it's like the wind. We're just there for a moment, then the wind shifts direction and we separate and they go their way and we go our way. But the will of God was done in that conversation. There's a young man. I'm thinking of this real quick and then I'm going to close down. Is this okay tonight? I was talking with uh, Joe and Shauna and Shar and I were out to eat in the Ozarks years ago. And there was a young man who was our waiter. His name was Adam. And right when he said, hey, I'm Adam and I'm here to serve you. Man, my spirit just woke up and I thought, Adam's got a story. I don't know what his story is, but I asked, hey, Adam, what's your story? What's going on with you right now? Man, he just poured his heart out, just poured his heart out. And God's spirit was so present in that conversation. And then when we were done, you know, we exchanged information. I stayed in contact with him for several months. I think about him and pray for him occasionally because... I was just one link in the chain of bringing him to Christ. I was not the last link. I did not pray with him. But he was running from God. He was a prodigal son. He was away from God. And he was miserable. And he was trying to cover it up in so many different ways on the outside. But inside, he was so busted up. He so appreciated that someone asked how he was doing. And what's your story? Malachi Wills, he's not here tonight. Malachi, the first time I met Malachi, he was working at a ice cream uh, shop over in the parking lot in Oskaloosa. You know, uh, it's called, yeah, Frosty Utter. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> he was a sophomore in high school. He was probably about six foot five then. And, and I went over with Chet to play golf on a particular night. And afterwards... Uh, we went to go get ice cream. It was a great tradition, wasn't it, Chet? I mean, absolutely. So he'd get a caramel turtle, and we never told Diane. Oh, I'm sorry. We never told <laughs> Diane. And I would. And so, uh, and, and here's this. I mean, he just sticks, you know, he's in like a, do- a big dog house, right, with ice cream machines. And he sticks his whole frame out, and he smiles at me. And, Hi, Malachi, can I help you? And I thought, What's going on, Malachi? He looked at me and I said, no one names their son Malachi accidentally. I said, hey, what's your story? He told me a little bit of a story. Four years later, we're having a small group. Sunday night, young adults over at our house. We're all having a great time. And Malachi walks through my door. We had the privilege several years later of marrying him and his wife and their wonderful part of this congregation.
But you just never know how God's going to work it all together. But one thing we can't be is we can't be disconnected or disinterested. We have to be aware and alert of what's going on around us. And we have to interact with people in redemptive, relational, and godly ways. Because eternity is something that people are interested in. Okay. So what's the end of the story? The end of the story is, let's read verses 13 through 18. Because now Peter goes to Jerusalem and all the big wigs in Jerusalem have a cow. Everybody say, have a cow. I mean, they have a cow. They call him on the carpet. They say, what in the world are you doing hanging out with, with this guy? We hear that you're out hanging around with unclean people. And he says this. And let's go into verse 13. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words, listen to this, by which you and all your household will be saved. That was Peter's assignment. Just tell them your story. Tell them that, tell them that Jesus loves them. That's what I told the officer yesterday. I said, you know, what's most important for you to know is that God loves you, that Jesus loves you, and that Jesus went to the cross for your sins, and Jesus wants you with him in heaven. And he says, I believe that. I said, well, that's a, a lot more than just being a good dad or having good morals or good ethics. You can get that in, what's that, uh, that book of etiquette? Martha, whatever it is. Yeah, that's okay. You'll think of it tonight about midnight. What's, it, what's the name? I'll think of that also. So just reading down as we finish. And as, as I began to speak, verse 15, the Holy Spirit fell on them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance of life. Wow. Everlasting life. God wants people to experience everlasting life. And so as we're dismissed tonight, our time is up. I want to thank you for being with us. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I just have come to the place that it's important that I ask this question. If you were to pass away tonight, would you go into the presence of the Lord? I mean, you can tell me about your livelihood, about the things that you enjoy, the things that awaken your soul. I mean, you can, you know, rehearse to me parts of your life. But can you tell me about Jesus in your life? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you rely on Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus? He who has the Son has life. The word life there is Zoe, everlasting life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. You can have three out of the four kinds of life I would rather have Zoe and have an okay life here and be right with God. And we're going to continue to talk about this in a couple of weeks because it's not just heaven. It's how heaven helps us while we're here on the earth. 
Amen. But we have to get this right. So how many of you know Jesus? Just raise your hand. You've made that decision, that commitment to Christ. Amen. I'd hate to see that there's anyone here who was like the man that I described early in my was a churchgoer, was a good moral person, ethical, was caring, was compassionate, was giving, was thoughtful, was courteous, didn't know Christ, had great reputation, but didn't know Christ. When we know Christ, we have life. So to summarize, the man that accepted the Lord, was there a difference? Yes, there was a difference. Christ always makes a difference. Was there a difference in Cornelius? Oh, yes. Jesus makes the difference. He completes the circle of life. Everlasting life is because of Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.